Hi, I'm Jane Velez Mitchell, New York Times bestselling author and TV journalist. And this is Unchained TV's Voice America podcast. For the next hour, you will hear the solution to most of the problems that plague our world. And it's a solution mainstream media ignores, even though it only requires us to make one simple change. Want to know what it is and transform your life? Let's get started. I am so delighted and honored to have with us today on Unchained TV's Voice America broadcast, the one and only Leah Garces, CEO and president of Mercy for Animals, doing so much Do I look a little tired? I was researching till one in the morning. We could do an hour on each of their projects. But I want to start with the farm bill. It is coming up for renewal. And it will determine to a large degree whether animal agriculture will continue to sort of run reckless and roughshod over uh, our lands, over our animals, over our air, over our water, or if we will start seeing some fairness in the food system. So Leah, thank you so much for joining us. Please tell us what are you doing and what is Mercy for Animals doing uh, to address this farm bill coming up? Thanks, Jane, for having me. I'm thrilled to be with you again. You are such a rock star um, in the work that you do and how you get the word out. So I just want to share my gratitude and appreciation to you first. Thank you. So sweet. Um, So Farm Bill, uh, this year, as you've mentioned, is the year of the Farm Bill. This is done once every five years. And it's really the legislation around agriculture, food, and farming. So a lot of our subsidies are determined in this particular bill. And oh, there's my daughter. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I've got a dog over here. Who, not to compare your daughter and my dog. It's okay. There she goes. Running around and uh, doing all sorts of tricks. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. It's the day That's off wonderful. for school, but you know that's now normal. In I this love year. it. I so, love it. Anyway, farm bill um, once every five years. So the idea is we have uh, been collaborating with Senator Cory Booker, who is fantastic, on uh, a marker bill. And this marker bill is called the Industrial um, Agriculture Accountability Act, which you've put up here. And the idea is we want to hold the animal ag industry accountable for the damage that factory farming does. And there's a lot of different ways we can do that. um, But there's some pieces in there that are really, really important to us. Uh, So... For one, we would do things like, and and this is not just about animals, by the way. So factory farming negatively impacts communities, communities of color, vulnerable communities, along with animals, along with the environment, along with our health. And so the bill is trying to hold companies accountable to that on different levels. So for example, right now, um, the industry specifically in our law specifically excludes all poultry, all poultry from the Humane Slaughter of Methods Act. And we would try to include poultry going forward. We'd also do things like prohibit that horrible system called ventilation shutdown, which is where literally as it sounds, they turn off the ventilator inside of a factory farm and the animals literally cook to death from not being able to breathe. We prohibit that. We'd also make industry pay for that. Right now, our tax dollars pay for that. They pay for that when there's a loss at the farm because of disasters, because of disease, 
we pay for that instead of the industry. These big corporate monopolies should be the ones paying for it. And there's other pieces in there like prohibiting the use of incarcerated workers and applying some labor standards for workers and for farmers, and where currently there aren't very many. So that's just a, a broad summary of some of the things we're trying to address in the Farm Bill. This is the year to do it. Uh, we were in Washington, D.C. the week before last uh, on the Hill, in and out of senators' offices and members of Congress, asking them to support this. We're also asking them to adjust moving uh, our subsidies away from feed, the feed that goes to factory farmed animals, and toward food. Uh, right now, about 30% of all of our subsidies just go to corn and soy that feed farm animals in horrific conditions. And only 4%, 4%, Jane, of our subsidies go to fruits and um, vegetables and 2% go to nuts and seeds. It's an astronomical miscalculation of where the government should be supporting our nutrition. Well, I wanna show something that I think is very interesting. I never ask people to do something that I don't do myself. So I went on your site and it literally took me 30 seconds or less to write a letter, an automatic letter to my two senators, Alex Padilla and Diane Feinstein and my representative, Ted Lieu. And this will allow me to tell them to, hey, we want the Industrial Agriculture Accountability Act. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, what exactly would the Industrial Agriculture Accountability Act do? And I know we've got some callers waiting. So after you answer that question, we'll go to our callers. Great. Right. Yeah. So it's, as I said, there's, there's a number of pieces within it, but it would do things like ban ventilation, shutdown. Um, it would prohibit the use of incarcerated workers. Um, it would include poultry in the Humane Slaughter Methods Act. It's a very comprehensive marker bill within the farm bill that is really beginning to hold the industry accountable. Right now, they externalize a lot of the harm outside, and we're asking them to internalize those costs uh, so that they are more accountable to the damage that they do. All right, we've got a caller from Texas, Nilofar from Dallas, Texas. Your question or thought, for Leah Garza, CEO and president of Mercy for Animals. Hi, thank you so much for um, trying to um, to hold the very corrupt government accountable. Um, my question is, is the Mercy for Animals lofty goal to help farmers transition out of the brutal chicken CAFOs um, and into veganic farming aligned with the Agricultural Fairness Alliance? which strategically employs lobbyists for the policy changes as um, the Agricultural Fairness Alliance pioneered this concept and launch. Thanks so much. Great question. Um, so we are, and, and maybe we're gonna take a talk about this, Jane, but uh, we are really asking the government to support transition. So exactly what you're talking about. Uh, and we have a program called Transformation and we're looking to get more farmers to be able to access government funds, to be able to transition to plant-based farming. So away from animal, industrial animal agriculture and toward things like hemp and mushrooms and microgreens and anything else besides using uh, animals in the system. And so right now there are not funds available to farmers for that kind of transition. Um, and in fact, 
Cory Booker put forward the Farm Systems Reform Act, which had a big pocket of money that farmers would be able to transition, use to transition. So one of the big barriers for factory farmers to transition is they owe too much money. They're under the thumb of these big corporate entities and the debt that keeps them locked into factory farming. They need help from the government to transition. They want to transition. Uh, and we are definitely in there. I was in there a week before last talking to government officials exactly about that. And we're going to talk a lot about the farm transformation project. It is the transformation project. And I love that because obviously it's a play on words. Um, and it's amazing. You've got several success stories of transitioning farmers from poultry to hemp. I love this idea. I want to learn more about it. Let's go to more callers, though. Wow. Um, we've got Sarah in Atlanta, your question or thought for Leah Garces, CEO and president of Mercy for Animals. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I want to ask you a question about your organization. And because everybody keeps talking about children are our future and education is key. And I want to know, do you have any type of uh, education programs for schools all across the United States? Because I really believe that it's getting to the children and letting them know because uh, they're going to be the consumers. Thank you. Well, hello from Atlanta. I'm also in Atlanta, so I hope to see you out there and one of the amazing um, vegan restaurants one day. Um, so we don't have a children's program specifically right now, and it's a great point, but this coming year, we're actually developing, um, we're trying to develop something around that. Uh, we're gonna be developing, this is kind of hot off the press, a new uh, animation and a book, a children's book, and there'll be um, a kind of club that children can join. And we're working on that project. It'll probably be out in 2024. Uh, it's based on a, a hen that I rescued from a factory farm named Henrietta. And the, my daughter, who you just saw walk in on this, he and Henrietta were best friends. And it's Aww. a story about their friendship. Uh, well, Henrietta's rescue, her friendship, and kind of the freedom that Henrietta enjoyed while she was part of our family. And based on that, we're going to start something called the Henrietta Hatch Club. Um, and so I hope that that's going to develop. I couldn't agree with you more. There really isn't a lot going on um, for children in sort of the, the animal um, welfare world, animal rights world. There's not a huge lot of programming. Um, and I think it's just a, a sign that you know, we're an under-resourced under um, movement and we just are spread really thin. Uh, but I do agree that it should be more of a priority going forward. And I hope we get to do that next year. I think that's a brilliant idea. I remember when I was a kid, as a budding animal lover, I was a member of the Ranger Ricks Club. There you and, go. Uh, <laughs> I had all sorts of little things, and uh, I would uh, uh, binoculars and all sorts of things, and it really did encourage my love of animals, and I felt like I was a part of it. I think that's a brilliant idea. All right, let's go to the next caller. We've got Michael in Los Angeles. Your question or thought for Leah Garces, CEO and President of Mercy for Animals. So delighted to have her on here today. Yeah, thank you. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Jane. I'm a big supporter of Mercy for Animals. Thank you for all you do. Um, but my question is, uh, what is the latest news on the uh, on Prop 12? And do you think the Supreme Court is going to rule in favor of the pork companies or overturn and overturn the proposition, or do you think they'll uphold it? Thank you. Well, first of all, Michael, thank you for your support of Mercy for Animals. We couldn't be here without you, so thank you. 
Um, it's a good question. Really, we're expecting that ruling any day. For those of you who don't know, um, Prop 12 is a California law that banned all cages and crates and the sale of those products. But then the pork industry decided to challenge that and say that it was unconstitutional to ban the sale of products that are made in another state um, using a dormant commerce clause. And it was brought all the way to the Supreme Court. And in October, the Supreme Court had oral hearings to discuss what the ruling would be. Uh, and then they're supposed to make a ruling really before probably the summer. We are expecting that any day now, that ruling. Uh, and if anyone listened to the uh, oral hearings, it was fascinating. And the these transcripts are 157 pages long. It went on, it was supposed to be about an hour. It went on for over two. It's very clear that the um, justices are split. They're unsure. This is new territory, which is interesting. And there's never been a discussion at the Supreme Court on uh, on, on farmed animals and, and whether our trade is constitutional or not of them and how they're treated. So in and of itself, it was so historical that this even was a discussion being had. And my best sense of what's going to happen is it may be returned to the lower courts and it may not be decided upon, but further delayed in the discussions and returned back to the lower courts. But we'll see. I don't know. That's our best guess. And we time will tell. We're waiting for a decision. Uh, I have to say that I am very disappointed that the Biden administration sided against Prop 12 uh, with the pork producers baffles me. Uh, they purport to want to combat climate change and um, animal agriculture is such a big contributor to that. It's it's truly baffling. Anyway, let's go to the next caller, Joshi in Dallas, Texas. Joshi, your question or thought? Uh, hi, Jane. Hi, Leah. So uh, I wanted to know, like, my, so my question is, how do you plan to, first of all, like getting the farmers on board with the ethics involved in agri uh, animal agriculture? Mm -hmm. and like convince them to transition to crop farming or like plant-based farming uh, given that like the government heavily incentivizes and subsidizes animal agriculture and like the same might not be true for crop farming right so yeah thank you yes great question um and i think to be able to answer that question is it's important to understand what the farmer's experience actually is and they don't really enjoy those subsidies most farmers are under huge amounts of debt so the way factory farming works and chicken and, and pig farming in particular uh, is that, let's say a young person um, decides they want to stay on the land in rural North Carolina. Uh, but the only way to stay on that land is to uh, engage in the poultry industry. So the poultry industry comes to town and they said, look, you can be you can have um, you can you can stay on this land. All you have to do is take out a massive loan. You have to take a half a million to a million dollar loan. Uh, and to build all of the warehouses and the property needed and the, and the materials needed to have chickens. Then we'll drop off the chickens every month or so, and then we'll pick them back up and take them to slaughter. And at first that goes well for the farmer. He does that. She does that. Um, the and But it's like a big mortgage. It's supposed to be paid off in 10 years. But what happens is the chickens start to get sick. They start to die. You don't get paid for the dead chickens. And the farmer starts to fall behind on that loan. And they become more and more and more in debt. And the only way to pay off that debt is to keep raising chickens. And right now, um, and, and by the time they've realized this, it's too late. They're so in debt. They're so in over their head. And they're beholden to these big companies. And the only way out is to keep keep raising the animals. 
But when we've talked to them, biggest surprise in my life is talking to these farmers and realizing how many of them want out. If they had a choice, they would get out. And we're trying to build a bridge for them, a way out uh, where they can transition away from this and essentially indentured servitude towards crops, towards plants, using that same structure. Now, poultry farmers in the United States collectively owe $5.2 billion. Wow. That is such a huge sum that there's no way to overcome that without government support. And that is what we are lobbying for at um, with the members of Congress. We're asking for them to consider transition money, resources, and support for these farmers. So that's part of our farm bill ask within the Industrial Accountability um, Industrial Agriculture Accountability Act. It's part of our request is transition money. So please do sign that petition, that request. It actually makes a difference. We walked into members of Congress and we had them say to us, oh, we're hearing a lot about this. We know about this. It makes a difference. If you are writing to your members, they are going to listen more to our request. And as I said, I did it this morning. It took me literally 30 seconds and I'll just show you. Um, literally click mercy for animals and then it says contact your members of congress and i was able to contact diane feinstein alice padilla and representative ted lewis my congressman um within 10 seconds i mean it's, it's nothing could be easier if you do one thing today do that go to mercyforanimals.org and automatically send a letter to your two U.S. senators and your member of congress because they're dealing with the farm bill now we're going to dive deep into transformation, but we just got some more callers. We're going to take two more, and then we will dive into transformation because that's one of the things we really want to talk about. So, Susan, uh, your question or thought for Leah Garces, CEO and President of Mercy for Animals. Hi. Uh, first, thank you so much for everything you do. I really respect a lot of your initiatives. Um, I did have a question on the Industrial, Industrial Agriculture Accountability Act. Will that include, in light of DXC's uh, undercover video of the, the pigs being slaughtered with CO2, is that at all included in your bill? Thank you so much. Um, do you mean the right to rescue or, sorry, if yes. I can ask the right to rescue is not included in the bill, unfortunately, but I do think it's such an important conversation that's being had, and I really commend DXC for what they're doing. It's really important narrative that's happening and uh, in, in conversation that's happening at the national level. It could not be more important. So I'm, I'm really grateful to Raven, who is the undercover investigator who did this work, and to DXC for forging this important um, this important conversation. Yeah, there's uh, Raven Deerbrook uh, with one of the clips. She, This woman literally went into the uh, Farmer John slaughterhouse and put hidden cameras and transmitters in the gas chamber area, recording for the first time in U.S. history what happens inside a U.S. meat plant gas chamber, CO2 facility, the gas chambers, and uh, what what emerged was so horrifying, in fact, that we did a story on a philanthropist who was so upset he hired a truck to show the footage and drive through Los Angeles because wow. you can't really watch more than 10 seconds. Uh, even my companion animals got upset hmm. hearing the screaming as I was editing the video. Um, it's, it's horrifying, mm -hmm. and to say it's painless, and of course I invite Smithfield on anytime. We'd love to dialogue. They say it's within the law, within USDA regulations, but um, it's, you have to see it for yourself. There's been quite a few editorials, for example, in, in the New York Times and uh, in other uh, periodicals 
basically saying the horror of it. So yes, um, you would think, Leia, that that would be enough. Um, let me ask you, before we go to another caller, you know, when you're dealing with Washington, the lobbyists for the meat and dairy industry and the pharmaceutical industry who are so intertwined, because guess what? If people ate a healthy plant-based diet, they wouldn't need all those billion dollars, a lot of the pills that are making billions of dollars, the cholesterol-lowering pills, et cetera. So is there a sense of change? This farm bill only comes up every five years. It's going to be reauthorized, hopefully with the changes that you're advocating but are the members of Congress starting to get it that this industry is destroying our planet, polluting our waters, uh, you know, creating, as you say, um, terrible conditions in communities of color and torturing animals? Are they getting it? So I was there, you know, two weeks ago, and we were there as part of a farm action coalition meeting, uh, and. There were, we, we ended up, so it's made up of all kinds of people from faith, from academia, from animal rights to food justice. And we all were coming together around the farm bill under this term or this, this campaign rally cry, which is food, not feed, where we're trying to get the government to support us eating healthy, being healthy and not towards feed, towards farmed animals, and then supporting therefore factory farming. And we were in and out. We had about 90 meetings over three days between all of the coalition members. Uh, and my sentiment, my takeaway is that we have a chance this time to make a difference. Um, we have Cory Booker, who's sort of in a way leading us, but we also have senators uh, from the Republican side we met with and uh, and congressmen and women who we met with on both sides who are beginning to hear us and say, okay, there are pieces of this that are really not okay, that are unacceptable, that have come to a point where we need to begin to hold this, this industry accountable. Uh, and particularly around the kind of corporate monopoly, the corporate consolidation of power that is leading to um, suffering and injury and sickness all around our country. Yes, and it, let's hope they don't uh, react to that by, for example, giving a billion dollars to create more local slaughterhouses, which is what the Biden administration did. I mean, that's not the answer. <laughs> the answer is to help uh, the uh, farmers transition to plant-based. Yes. Uh, we just published an article about uh, fungi, which is uh, mushrooms essentially being used to create um, meat and they can ferment it into massive giant vats that can produce a lot of meat. There's actually a mega fungi ranch opening, quote unquote ranch, uh, in Colorado. There's a lot of exciting developments. You'd think that the uh, the government would want to get in on that, and I hope they do. There's always hope. All right, we've got a couple more callers. On the other side of the break, we'll not take any more callers. What we will do is dive into transformation. I can't help it that you're popular, Leah, and that everybody's calling in. I'm so uh, grateful for the questions. It's really interactive. It's great. Yes. Yes, Lindsay from Los Angeles, your question or thought for Leah Garces of Mercy for Animals. Thank you for taking my call. Um, uh, you guys already covered what I was going to go into. I did, as I was listening, I, I went through the steps and went to Mercy for Animals site, clicked, found my Congress, uh, clicked on it, and they sent a letter 
uh, to Diane Feinstein, et cetera, which Jane already talked about. But my one point I guess I can make is how important it is that we are backing the farmers and we are thinking of in a way of practicality and not just emotionally of what we want to change, but ways to do it through helping and supporting the farmers, through getting our government to do that, but also for us to go out there as individuals and get involved. If you can't come out of your house, I've been in my house for weeks, but what I'm doing is I'm online constantly and I can still be very effective. So there's a lot of activists that are older and I think we just need to have sources that resources that make it easy for them to take action. And I just want to plead with everyone to support this. Uh, it's so easy to do so. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I think that was just a comment. So we'll go on to our next call. But it was an excellent comment. Thank you, Lindsay. And she is one of the hardest working people, one of our uh, volunteers at Unchained TV, uh, who has her own show. Okay. Annie, quick question from Sherman Oaks for Leah Garces, CEO and President of Mercy for Animals. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'll try and make it as quick as possible. I'm so grateful. Jane, I uh, love you. Love you, Leah. What you do with Mercy for Animals, incredible, especially that video that you have uh, of close-up of the chicken when one of the chickens taken from the cage, how that chicken goes into hyperventilation, shows the emotions that people, uh, the animals go through, including the chicken that is hard to see. But you do so much incredible work, and I totally support you and uh, recommend everybody. One of the things, I have many questions, but one of the questions I would ask is that there are so many departments like USDA, you have, we have Fish and Game. These departments are taking so much money, and their motivation is to keep uh, you know, the bleeding of the animals because that's the business they're in. What can we do to convert them, transition them as well? Because they... From you know the back door, they're constantly supporting to keep the slaughterhouses, to keep animal yes. hunting, to keep murdering exactly. animals. Yes, good, good so, points. Thank you, Annie. Uh, let's give Leah a chance to answer that one. Yeah, I'm a big believer in people power. At the end of the day, these uh, members of Congress, the, pe the folks that are sitting there in Washington, are representing us. And although they can get away with a lot, um, they can't get away with completely ignoring their constituents. So I think. For example, signing the petition that Jane has been so kind to share is really important. Hearing from you all directly from you, their constituents makes a big, big difference. So, the, And I, I think that takes a collective force. It takes each and every person really focused on their representative and just going at it, persisting consistently over time, showing up and having this singular message that this is unacceptable. Um, and that's a really important quality that we need to keep building as a country, putting pressure on our members of Congress to represent the constituents and not kind of fall prey to the powers that be at, um, at these big monopoly um, companies that are lining the pockets, literally pouring billions into Washington. But I really believe that despite the fact that there's, you know, always been this situation where billions are poured into Washington to keep the status quo, um, they have some, we have something they don't have, which is passion and persistence and perseverance. And we just have to keep showing up over time, marching forward all the time. All right. We have our last caller of the day. Then we're going to cut off calls. Um, Jose in Dallas, Texas, your question or thought for Leah Garces. Hi, thank you so much. 
Um, yeah, I just had a quick question, uh, maybe a more personal question. Um, what has been like the greatest challenge um, like you faced as a, the CEO of like such a well-known you know animal rights organization? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I think probably um, the greatest challenge that I face as a CEO is just the amazing amount of work that we're doing. And I want to always be involved with all of it. Um, and I have to really take a step back. I have amazing people who are at the helm of each of these programs and try to delegate trust um, and and let them do the work. And Stepping back is a hard, hard part of being a CEO, honestly, is saying, you know, these are, I have wonderful people in, in place. Mercy for Animals is just full of the most intelligent, passionate, and persistent folks. Um, yeah, and just sort of letting go a little bit, actually. <laughs> Someone who used to be the campaigner on the ground, um, setting, sort of stepping back a little bit uh, and just doing big picture stuff more. So we're going to dive in now. Such great callers. No more callers for the hour uh, because I really want to get into the farm transformation project on the other side of the break. Uh, what's really fascinating about this is that, well, in the words of Dr. Silas Rao, who I admire, we're all being factory farmed. And, you know, his his sense is that the farmers are being factory farmed. They are trapped in the situation. And as you mentioned, so many of them are really, really desperate to get out and they want a way out. And you have given them that with this uh, farm transformation program or the transformation program. Um, can you just give us an overview? How did this get started? And then on the other side, we'll talk about your four at least four, but four highlight success stories. Sure. Well, it really started um, back in 2014 was the first time I actually sat down and talked to a chicken factory farmer and his name is Craig Watts and he's one of our transformation farmers now. And he and I, um, you know, weren't meant to meet. We were a vegan animal rights activist and a chicken factory farmer, but through a common connection, a journalist, I went to visit him and I found myself really understanding the system from a new perspective. And over months, he allowed me to film inside of his houses that were with chickens. And then together we came out and exposed the industry for being a harm to the animals and a harm to the farmer. And it came out with Nicholas Kristoff in the New York Times in 2014. From there, uh, we started to come up with this idea of how can we help farmers who are trapped in debt and want to get out, how can we practically help them reuse these facilities that they've invested so much their life into their, their land, their property, their homes, and they can't, they, they would go bankrupt and lose everything if they stopped chicken farming. In 2016, he stopped chicken farming. 2018, we came up with the idea of um, transformation, including the name. And I brought it to Mercy for Animals when I started um, in 2018 at Mercy for Animals. And we began to think of a program. We got enough funding to hire some team members. Um, and then we started the project in earnest, which um, we have wonderful Tyler Whitley, um, who is leading uh, director of transformation and really thinking of the nuts and bolts. Cause that's not, I'm not a farmer. I am not an architect, but Tyler knows how to find those people. And he um, has that experience. So really thinking of, the consultants we'd need, the kind of blueprints we'd need, the programs, the training, uh, and really building those resources for farmers to be able to transition. And 
and now we're in earnest. Uh, the program is 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 in full um, in, in 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 fully operational. Um, when we first launched it, we had over 200 farmers write us right away, no advertising, who want out right away. So there is a huge demand for this work. Uh, we just hope we can meet it. All right, we're going to take a very short break on Voice America Radio, but we're going to stay live on Facebook, on the Unchained TV app, on Twitter. We're all over social media and. We'll be back in a minute. Thank you. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Welcome back to Unchained TV on Voice America Radio. I'm Jane Velez Mitchell, and you are now re-entering a portal to a transformative way of living. We are so excited to be talking to Leah Garces, CEO and president of Mercy for Animals, one of the biggest animal rights, animal welfare, animal protection organizations in the world. And Leah, you have this project that is a game changer called Farm, called the Transformation Project. The Transformation Project. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, tell us really about these success stories, because we've sort of given the overview of what this is, and now we really want to get into the weeds. How is it changing farming in America? And I know you have, we've got a little screen grab here of four successful stories. Can you give us a- Yeah. Some details. Yeah, I'll start with Craig Watts, who's that second picture there, who I mentioned is the person who really um, gave the idea kind of its energy. And uh, I was there three weeks ago now in his farm in Fairmont, North Carolina. And that is the site where I used to, um, where I filmed chickens in his houses that end up in the New York Times exposing the cruelties of factory farming with him, him less kind of arm in arm showing the difficulties of factory farming, not just for the chickens, but for the farmers too. And fast forward to last week, he just, um, he just had his first bloom of uh, shiitake mushrooms. And it was just such a moment of hope for me to 
he, he basically put a container inside of his old factory farms inside of these warehouses. And then it's got, um, it's, it's a controlled environment in there and he's got racks of mushrooms now. And what's fascinating is he's using all the old pieces of the factory farm. So the shelves are the kind of dividers that used to divide up the chickens and he's using, making them into shells. And now they have shiitake mushrooms and what a moment really to witness his full transition away from factory farming towards shiitake mushrooms and this kind of freedom that he has. And it's not just freedom of financially, but it's also the freedom kind of, of his mental health, of his health. And we also did something really fun where we took uh, his mortgage. So it took him 30 years to pay off the mortgage that he took out when he was 22 years old uh, to get all of the money to raise chickens and to have those facilities. And he finally paid it off, even though he paid it off in December, even though he stopped chicken factory farming in 2016, he still had that debt. He still had to work, he had to do little side jobs, pay it off, pay it off, pay it off. And we burnt, we had a mortgage burning ceremony and we actually lit the mortgage on fire and celebrated his final freedom through this mushroom activity and through his breaking away from factory farming. And that is really, really, it's literally his freedom, but it's symbolic of the freedom that all farmers deserve to not be indentured service, to not be in this debt, to not be under the thumb of, you know, a corporate entity that is only concerned about the bottom line and not about the, the welfare of the animals or of the farmer. And that's just one story. Shall I go on? Oh, wow. Well, it, it's so <laughs> impressive. Now, what I've heard is that in these communities, and I, I've talked to sanctuaries around the, the South, the West, and a lot of them are saying that uh, ranchers are sending their animals to slaughter because um, it's becoming more and more unmanageable, this industry, with the extreme cold in the winter, with the extreme heat in the summertime. There was a video, for example, in Kansas that was on TikTok. I won't play it because it's just too disturbing. Uh, somebody just got a camera while they were driving and there were hundreds of dead cows with their legs up in the air. They had died from the extreme heat and um, also possibly drought because it the water is getting scarcer due to climate change. Um, and then, of course, in the wintertime, there's this extreme cold and you actually have a program to uh, try to improve the conditions for these poor animals who are driven in bitter cold and open air trucks to slaughter. Um, but it's becoming unmanageable because of climate change. Right. Uh, so is that going to accelerate this process of farmers transitioning from animals to plant-based? I do think so. I think it's really important. And what's fascinating about the whole mushroom approach is this is in a container inside a factory farm, like an old factory farm, the apocalypse could be going on outside and those mushrooms would be fine. And so this is real sustainable food. This is food that will sustain us forever. It's food security. And this, and it's also very healthy. It requires low resources. It doesn't require a lot of water or land, things that are all diminishing in our world, sadly. So whereas factory farming is doing the opposite, a third of our arable land is being used to raise food for farmed animals instead of ourselves. We have the Amazon burning down to feed cattle. I mean, we are in a very serious crisis and we have to take that seriously. And I think that is going to accelerate at least the politicians lead, listening. And I think also for farmers, it's just an easier option than trying to um, keep animals alive and well in a circumstance like what we're going through in terms of climate change. 
Do you think politicians are aware of what the farmers are going through in terms of the rising cost of feed, the uh, growing difficulty of keeping these animals uh, alive and and I can't say thriving because a lot of them are sick, but at least alive given the extreme temperatures. Are members of Congress aware of this? I don't think so. And that's part of our job is is that's why we were there. And so many of them weren't even aware of the very basics of how the contract farming system works. And we would have to tell that story and they'd be quite upset about it and they would try to learn about it. Uh, Very few were aware. So part of our job is just getting the word out. And that's, you know, what transformation is also about is that changing the narrative. There's this really big misconception in the United States that uh, farmers are happy, that animals are treated well, that this is, a, you know, an essential way of producing food and we're feeding the world. Well, we're trying to change that narrative through this project to say, well, if you think that you should just ask a farmer and a farmer will tell you this is a horrible system that oppresses everyone from the animals to the communities to the farmers themselves. And it actually pits people against each other, too. It pits a farmer against the community. It pits, it pits activists against the farmers. It pits us all against each other. And my my good friend, uh, Craig Watts, he says he said that it's like we're all in a jar and there's red ants and black ants and someone's shaking the jar and then we start fighting. But we never stop to question who is shaking the jar. We have to stop and say, this is an oppressive system. That oppressive system of fact farming is the jar shaker that we have to deconstruct. We need a new jar. We need a new system. And, you know, when it comes to the government, because really the farm bill, which you are absolutely vigorously trying to make more fair, and we urge everybody, if you do one thing, we've already gotten several people uh, who've said that, yes, they're signing, uh, going to mercyforanimals.org and signing what you want them to sign, which is just go to mercyforanimals.org and uh, you just... Click a couple of clicks and you're going to send a letter to two U.S. senators and your member of Congress. And it's that easy. Just go to mercyforanimals.org and then uh, comment when you've done it. Let us know you've done it. But um, the point is that we are racing out of we're running out of time. We are barreling toward extinction. There's a there's a group called Racing Extinction and um, the climate change issue vis-a-vis animal agriculture is also being ignored. So you have. Institutions and government, the head of the USDA is a dairy industry trade group leader. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got so much power um, consolidated in these industries that then have co-opted branches of government, agencies of government. Is there a way to break through? Do you think that we can um, change the farm bill? Because it's happening this year. And if there's five more years of subsidies to animal agriculture, that's what's keeping it going. If you took out the subsidies, if you took out those unfair insurance uh, reparations to farmers uh, when they've um, lost their animals in a flood or a tornado, um, that would really collapse animal agriculture. So essentially the US government is keeping animal agriculture going. I mean, that's absolutely right. Like I said, 30% of all of our ag subsidies are going strictly to the feed that is sustaining factory farming. So the feed that goes to factory farm animals. Well, only 4% of our subsidies are going to vegetables and fruit. And yet 
only so 90% of Americans are not eating the recommended daily amount of fruits and vegetables. So there's a real impact on our health, on our well-being through these subsidies. And so our request to government is to change it, to flip it. And without those subsidies, I'm very certain that this industry would collapse. And with transition money, farmers would definitely escape the system as fast as possible. I think of it like tobacco. And there was actually subsidies that were supporting tobacco for a long time, and then it would become very unfavorable with the public to support tobacco. The the government pulled the plug on the support for tobacco, and overnight that industry fell and farmers exited in mass. And that's what we need to do with factory farming, very similar to the tobacco industry and the transition that farmers experience, especially in the South, moving away from tobacco towards another product. Now we need to do the same thing with our our meat, dairy, and egg industry. So how is the reaction on Capitol Hill to the um, I Industrial Agriculture Accountability Act, IAAA? Well, I think they can't ignore us. And uh, I believe that we had 90 meetings as we walked in and out of congressmen and women's offices and met with their staffers. We met with senators and their staffers. And uh, I don't think they can ignore us. I think that we're too big of a coalition coming from too many um, different uh, stakeholders, like I said, from faith, academia, from animal rights to environment to food justice. You can't ignore that. And it's a very powerful meeting of different constituents, different stakeholders, but all coming together to say, one thing. Industrial animal agriculture is bad for us and it needs, the government needs to stop supporting it and stop right now. And we may have to go many farm bills. This won't be the last time that we have to go to lobby on the farm bill and try to change it. But I can tell you, if we don't try, nothing will happen. And so we have to keep persevering. We have to keep going, marching forward and making changes uh, at and holding the government and industry accountable. Now, what about um, Kamala Harris, the vice president? Because she obviously knows Cory Booker, Cory Booker, a vegan, um, speaking, you know, he's speaking truth to power in this situation because he's there in, in the Senate and able to talk to, to his colleagues and get the word out. I've also gotten the sense that Kamala Harris might be very um, amenable to these concepts. Uh, she was in Las Vegas and she reportedly said she was trying to go vegan before six when she visited a vegan restaurant for lunch. Um, any contact with her? No, not at all, but I'm hopeful always. And I think uh, Cory Booker is such a fantastic ally uh, for this work. Um, and I am so grateful he's on the ag committee. And I know that that's not something he's was involved with before and he's recognized how important it is that he's on the ad committee and he's from new jersey so you wouldn't he probably you'd probably think why does somebody from new jersey going to be on the ad committee it should be ag states but agriculture is food and everybody eats so it's important that he's there it's important everyone's there showing up it's really and that is where that is the committee that really is going to be controlling the draft of the farm bill so it's critical he and other allies are there yes and so Paige is asking this is so important and how do we support? We can support by doing one thing. It's super, super easy. You simply, and I'll just show you because I did this right before we started the show. I went on to Mercy for Animals, okay? And there's a little button that says, reach out to your Congress members. And I did one click 
And there it is, the Industrial Agriculture Accountability Act, Senator Dianne Feinstein, my congressman, Ted Lieu, and Senator Alex Padilla. And, you know, I've actually met Ted Lieu at an animal rights conference, and he spoke about his love for animals. He might be very, very um, amenable to this entire concept. I think he would be one of the people to reach out to. Um, so where is it now? We, we've got about 10 minutes left in this fabulous conversation. Where, aside from doing that, and everybody, please do that. And once you've done that, comment and we'll we'll be happy to report that you've done it. Um, where does it go from here? Because I think the farm bill in October, I believe, is going to yep. be decided. So yep. that's not a lot of time. It's not a lot of time. And a lot of um, the congressmen and women will be beginning to formulate their opinions and their positions around the end of March. So it's, this is a critical time to be influencing them and making sure their constituents are hearing from you about what they what you feel is important um, as they represent you. So, you know, please do sign that petition, write to them and, and persist, follow up and ask them, well, what, are you, what is your position? Are you going to be supporting the IAA? Are you going to be supporting farmed animals and a fair, just food system? Uh, and, and make sure to follow up with that. I also urge you to volunteer with Mercy for Animals and become part of our volunteer program where we're trying to really build people power kind of position ourselves and position this issue as something that cannot be ignored. So when we walk in the room, we have this huge group of people who are with us in the room, virtually, you know, uh, virtually speaking, and are really showing that this is not an issue that's going to go away. We're not going to give up. We're going to persist and we have passion. And when you volunteer, what exactly would you be doing? There's a lot of different things. Whatever you would like to do, you could do. We have everything from writing letters um, to educating folks to handing handing out leaflets to um, being part of training sessions. We have a actually very sophisticated uh, program where you get training if you wish uh, and also, you get to meet other folks and have a community of people who care about this, uh, either in your own town or across the country. So it's a great it's a great way to get involved. Yes. And, you know, we're getting so much positive signs, says Jeff. Hey, thank, thank you, Jeff. Doing this important work. And uh, somebody else said, where's the link? OK, mercyforanimals.org is the link. You literally go to mercyforanimals.org and it's right there on the homepage, which is it's so easy um, and uh, so I, I just want to applaud you for doing all of this because this is the work that's going to make the difference. My personal belief is that if we change that farm bill, literally, it, without the subsidies, Tom says, is it that simple? Yes, it's that simple, Tom. Mercyforanimals.org and just click. And it, it's real easy, really, dude. And then get back to us. Um, but I mean, if we if we ended these subsidies, the average fast food burger would cost you know fifteen twenty dollars without the government subsidies. I, people can debate the the exact number, but it would be a lot more expensive. So when even environmentalists like John Doerr, I was listening to his book, and he's like, "Well, people are going to eat what they want to eat." No. That's a cop out. People are going to eat what's inexpensive. And um, if if it weren't for the government subsidizing all this, it would be much cheaper to eat fruits, vegetables, nuts and grains. And so that's one of the switches. Uh, one last question with 
this whole avian flu that's happening. Now you see the news reports, all they talk about is, oh my gosh, the rising price of eggs. Never talking about how, well, we shouldn't really be eating eggs. They're cholesterol bombs just for our health. And uh, all the male chicks are macerated, ground up alive. So that's a really, really cruel system. There is a lot of cruelty in eggs. Um, the media is a big part of the problem. One of the reasons we started Unchained TV, our global streaming network, uh, because they they just don't cover the animal aspect. I mean, tens of millions of birds have been killed in a horrifically brutal fashion, ventilation shutdown because of the avian flu, and the news media only talks about, oh, the prices of the price of eggs is going up. Yeah. And the worst part of that, maybe not the worst part, but one really horrible part of that is our tax dollars will pay for that. That um, mass culling, killing on farm, we will pay the farmers and the industry for that. So they don't have any penalty for doing that. They don't care. It's an easy you know, decision for them. Of course, it's horrific for the animals and it's mentally difficult for the farmers too, to have to go through that. Um, and you're right. There's such uh, what are, I think that it's a matter of uh, when, not if, that a much more serious avian flu comes to fruition. I mean, we just went through a global pandemic. Do we really want to suffer that again? Uh, if you look at experts, avian flu is already, it's already jumped away from just bird to bird and it's going bird to mammal now. We've heard of it in bears, for example. It's a very small step from going away to hitting us. And that should be concern enough that we shouldn't be keeping animals in this explosive circumstance where disease can spread so quickly, so rapidly. That should be enough of a concern to revisit how we're keeping animals. Um, and, you know, it's, it's horrific. And what, what I, I did an interview last week about this and one of my, I, and this was more from a business perspective for companies. And they're saying, well, what, what, how should we change our business approach? And my, my um, advice was you should be thinking about replacing your eggs with plant-based eggs that right now just egg is cheaper than some of the eggs that you see out there on the shelf, the plant-based egg, the liquid egg. And that's how you contain volatility. That's how you'll ensure you're not suffering from the volatility that factory farming brings in terms of availability and price. Plants don't get the flu and you want <laughs> to for that, <laughs> that, um, that kind of uh, volatility that company. So, you know, that's my message to companies is think about wherever you can right away, switching out all of those baked goods with plant-based eggs and everything you possibly can that doesn't, you know, right away appear as an egg, get rid of it right away. You have a product, you can have a more stable product in your, um, your, your, your muffins, your cookies, your pancakes. And at the same time, you're doing a great thing for animals in the planet. Well, I just want to thank you for all you do for animals and the planet. And we so need your organization to lead the way. Uh, I feel better just mm -hmm. sleeping at night knowing that you're on Capitol Hill fighting. It, sometimes it seems to me like we're, you know, in the 21st century. And a lot of these folks who should be on top of all this are back in the 1950s. Like, oh, well, what would you do if the price? Yeah, there's something called just egg. Do you read? Do you? Are you, do you do you look at social media or the grocery store shelf? Like it's right there. Yeah, it's right there. And so I just hope we can catch up the um, members of Congress to the 21st century. And I think if anybody can do it, you and Mercy for Animals can do it. Thank you, Leah Garces, so much for joining oh, us. You, Jane. We love you. Well, we and, love you too, Jane. <laughs> uh,
uh, so many people are saying they're signing and come back soon and and hopefully we can celebrate in October. Yes. All right, Jane. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank everyone you listening. So much. Have a great one. You too. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.